Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb. And I'm Julie Douglas. Julie, what do you think it would be like to live on a square planet? Like, do you um, think you'd listen to a lot of, like, Lawrence Welk, eat a lot of cheesesteak? Yes, to Lawrence Welk, no to cheesesteak. Oh, because you know I'm vegetarian. Cheesesteak's kind of a square food, though, you got to admit. I, I don't know. I mean, cheesesteak is quite prized in some cities, depending yeah, on who you yeah. are. And, um, it, and it's really been elevated to an art, if I can say that as a vegetarian. <laughs> I guess, yeah. I mean, you, you turn into the food shows, and it's like... Um, they just go on and on about like every city has their grotesque um and to in my opinion square uh meat sandwich and uh and that people go gaga for well but, you're saying a square like not hip right yeah like not hip you know yeah, like what like, are the squares doing like what the the cool kids are all going to the midnight puppet show and uh, <laughs> and then the while the squares are going to their football game so. i don't know anytime you say squares i just feel like i should be dressed in all black and start yeah. snapping yeah man anytime i agree with something that you say which is what i'm going to do in this <laughs> podcast but uh but no we're not uh, we're actually not talking about that kind of a square we're uh, talking planet. about a literal square a literal square planet like um uh david cross has this bit uh which uh, uh matt frederick just reminded us of uh, about the squiggle, where it's a, it's a, a product that was apparently officially marketed, uh, like produced, marketed, and, and uh, he talked about it in a, a stand-up bit. But it's a bagel. It's a it's real square. thing. Yeah, it's a real thing. It's a square bagel, so that it's not like rolling away. From What's the me. opposite of of snapping your fingers to disagree? I don't know. That doesn't in make Nick sense. In beatnik, yeah. I don't know. I Something guess, that I, that's not going to be transmitted by my voice. I'm I guess sure. like lengthy discussions <laughs> over like some freestyle jazz. I don't know. But no, basically imagine a square planet. If you're into comics, then you may know that the Bizarro world where Bizarro hails. From. Okay. And we're not talking about a, a square planet made out of bagels. We're, we're talking about a square planet. Like the idea that we're going to talk about today is what if our, what if our earth were earth a square? Were, yeah. 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 Which is like, like I say, Bizarro, Bizarro Superman. Yeah. You're familiar with this, right? Yes, I am. He's like Superman, except he's like an albino or something. Um, I mean, he's not really an well, albino, and it, but, it, he's, but you... he's, he's white. Yeah. And he's, he's like really white. Really. And, uh, and, uh, and, and kind of dumb. And it's so, like, you might be familiar with the concept with Bizarro Seinfeld too, right? Right. Yeah. 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 They, they made, they referenced uh, this particular, uh, comic creation uh so yeah imagine the world that we live on seeing it from space and seeing not a sphere but a square a cube which would be pretty cool right yeah it's not possible but that doesn't mean that we can't talk about it because lots of lots of people have talked about this or dreamed what would it be like if our earth was squared and and actually it gets down to the question of why why do we have spheroid like planets and moons anyway right what's the whole deal with that to be Seinfeldian about it. What, what's the deal with uh, the actual formation of planets? No, no, no. Like, hey, man, why do we? Why don't we have a square for a planet? Yeah, well, I'll tell you why. Why? Gravity, my friend. Yes, gravity is the the key to it all. Uh, because at at heart we have this thing called accretion. Like uh, this is the way everything forms. All mm-hmm. right. So, you know, if you if you go back in time, before there's a planet, uh, any given planet or star, you have a whole lot of little bits of dust floating around. And each of those little bits of dust, no matter how small, has mass and exerts gravity. Okay? Mm-hmm. So everyone with me? So you have dust, dust moat number one meets uh, cosmic dust moat number two. And nice they to attract you. to each other. Oh. Suddenly, they have more mass than surrounding bits. They have more gravitational pull. They begin to pull in 
other little bits mm-hmm. of, uh, of dust. And so you end up with this kind of cosmic snowball effect where the gravity builds. It uh, accrues more mass mm-hmm. and it eventually it gets bigger and bigger and becomes a, uh, you know, it eventually becomes like a star or a planet or some other kind of astral bodies. And these are all spherical for a reason. Because it's uh, because at the center of that you have a center of mass, and it is, and we're standing on, on a planet. The mass is more or less the same, uh, no matter where you go on the globe. It does differ. Yeah. There are areas on the Earth where where the the where ma- where gravity is stronger, but for or the most or weaker. But for the most part, you have more or less uniform yeah. gravity. So a square would not form because a square. Uh, or a cube would not have uniform gravity. Yeah, and, and it's sort of, but still, I still sort of wonder, like, why not the shape of a banana? Or uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think because the square is a very, um, it's, it's the opposite. You know, it's uh, mm-hmm. it's the squiggle versus the bagel idea. It's like the square is very uh, uniform. There's an episode uh, of um, Look Around You, season two, where they have a uh, soccer ball. Um, um, or, you know, a football in, uh, in Britain and you push a button on it and it transforms into a cube so that you can store it on a shelf without it rolling off. Oh. Um, there's, you know, it's just something on a very like mathematical, uh, basis. Like the, the cube is a very ordered, well, they're both very ordered shapes, but, but, but they're very opposite, you know? And, uh, and so we can't help but, but, but think of things in terms of their ridiculous opposites, you know? Like, I we, know. you know, we would look in the mirror and it's like, well, what if, what if I was a woman instead of a man? You know, what if, what if, uh, what if that horse flew instead of walked? What if the the world were a cube instead of um, a, a sphere? And, uh, and and when you when you look uh, back at some of the things that have been written about this, I mean, there have been times where people have made some uh, surprising arguments for the existence of cubes uh, mm-hmm. in nature. Now, now, granted, cubes do can form in nature, or rough cubes can form in nature. Yeah. Obviously, we've all seen blocks of stone that have fallen off of something that may be roughly cubical. You've seen uh, uh, tricksters using bubbles. To, uh, you know, yes, tricksters. Tricks, uh, well, I guess they're bubble artists or something, blowing bubbles and then piecing them together and forming that square, uh, that cube at the center. Mm-hmm. So it's not like a natural impossibility, but you see fewer of these in nature than you do spheres. Well, geographically, right, you, you tend to see more of the spheres. Right. Uh, certainly in the universe. So, yeah, I find it really, really interesting looking back to uh, 1884, there was a Swiss astronomer by the name of Arndt, A-R-N-D-T, and mm-hmm. uh, this is like the only name he was attributed in, in this particular He's article. He's like Cher, but Arndt. Yeah, and he made the headlines back in the day when he claimed to have discovered a very curious planet in the orbit beyond Neptune, a cubical planet. So even in 1884, uh, astronomers knew better. There was, a, there was a New York Times article titled The Cubical Planet, November 16th. Uh, edition. The uh, the author talked to a physicist by the name of Dr. Theodore Van Kirk. It's it's a great article because it's this is the gilded age of newspapers, so it's extremely long and it's like it's written in in the style of like and then the writer asks and then he's like oh good boy let me explain it to you and <laughs> and uh, so and and so like the the first bit is the professor just saying this is complete hooey this this is just I'm not and even, he says hooey right yeah he says hooey uh, and he's 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 like I'm not even going to dignify such a, an idea but then he goes on to say, oh, but this is what it would be like, you know, because because at the heart, that's the, the cool thing about thinking about a cubical planet yeah. is that um, it it illustrates some of the things that we take for granted about life on, a, on an actual spherical world. 
Yeah. So I, what would a, a cubed shape Earth look like? You know, would it would it is this some sort of like parallel universe where Picasso just exists and well, for and, and then this cubicle form? Well, the important thing to, to realize is the way center of gravity affects everything. Again, mm-hmm. um, gravity more or less uniform across the, the, the planet because the center of the Earth is always directly beneath your feet. Right. No matter where you're standing, you can point down at the space between your feet and say, if I were to go straight down, uh, from, you know, straight down toward the center of gravity, mm-hmm. I would hit the core of the Earth. So no matter where you were, gravitation is, um, it's always going to point roughly toward the center, right? Right. So imagine you're facing one, one square, one side of the six sides of the cube. Mm-hmm. If you were standing in the exact center of that, mm-hmm. it would be like on Earth because the center is directly below you. You're standing, standing straight up. You're standing straight up on but, that. Okay. Square. So let's say you're out near an edge. If you're out near an edge, you would be technically, you, you may be standing straight up mm-hmm. on that particular, uh, side, mm-hmm. on that particular plane, but it would feel like you were standing on a hill because the exact center, the center of the, the planet's mass is not directly beneath your feet. Okay. I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get the, the idea of this. So you've got the, you've got these six, sides and it's almost it would almost feel like it's forming a bowl right right like like let's say again you're standing at the center of one of the six sides Mm -hmm. okay and then you're going to walk towards the edge Mm -hmm. the closer you came to the edge the more it would feel like you were walking up the side of a mountain only if you were to actually reach the very edge and stand on the edge would it feel like earth would only then would the center of the the planet's gravity be directly beneath you Okay. I, I think it's fascinating. There's, um, this question was posed to ask a mathematician slash physicist. These are the, the guys that show up at Burning Man. So take this for what you will, but it, they had some very interesting thoughts about this. And they said the earth would take the form of a vast barren expanse of rock directly exposed to space. And if you were standing on the edge of a face and looked back toward the center, you'd be able to clearly see the round bubble of air and water extending above the flat surface with the poles in the center of the two faces. Then then two of those bubble seas that were created, right? Wait, are these the Cornell's Ask a Physicist? People? No, this is different. Okay. This is why I say these, okay. are, these are these are the guys that show up at Burning Man and they have a tent. Actually, it's pretty cool. It's okay. pretty cool. And it says, ask a, a mathematician or ask oh, a, okay. a physicist, right? All right. They are one of each. So guys are wandering up to a Burning Man and going like, dude, what if the what Earth if? were yeah. like a cube? It was a cube sphere, and it was completely peopled by a bunch of Picassos <laughs> and they were fragmented faces. <laughs> and one of the areolas was on his ear. That's that's what they're asking. Yeah. So that's why I say take it, okay. take it, uh, what you will out of this. So but I do think it's really interesting. You're standing on the edge, you're looking down and mm-hmm. you're seeing... The, the, You're seeing the bubble of the atmosphere, okay, right? Yeah. Okay. So that in and of itself is pretty cool to imagine that you're, you're on this, the, the face of the square and you're seeing this atmosphere because right now we can't, we don't perceive that, right? Right. Well, uh, and we wouldn't be able to perceive it. And then, uh, these bubble seas would create solid ice, ca- ice cap blocks. Wow. Yeah. And that this would be an entirely weird area that that life probably wouldn't be supported in um mm-hmm. but if it were it would it would be in this ring around the shore of those bubbles bubble seas that are created yeah and the leaning tower of pisa would be straight <laughs> and actually uh, dr karen l masters who was commenting on cornell's ask a physicist page she pretty much backs this up 
Uh, that, yeah, she's that, got some good math on this. Yeah, and I'm not going to bore everybody with the, the numbers, but she crunches the numbers and mm-hmm. says, yeah, based on the, the way the atmosphere works on the Earth we actually live on, if the Earth were impossibly a cube, the edges of the cube would be titanic mountains just jutting far above the atmosphere. They would be right. space mountains in a, in a very little Piercing sense. the atmosphere, yes. yeah, yeah. And uh, the oceans would be uh, would be pooled at the center of the six square planes. Mm-hmm. So each side, if you think of uh, this cubicle planet as a dice, each face of the die would be like a one, and that one would be an ocean. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then, and then you have to also take into account how weather and seasons work. Yeah. Weather is a pretty complex system, and yeah. gravity is one of the key players. And gravity holds the atmosphere to the Earth, and again, it holds it uniformly. So in the shape of this cube, that's why you have the mountainous edges piercing above the atmosphere. But then uh, uh, rotation also plays a role because you have alternating uh, periods of night and day, of heat and cool that end up stirring the atmosphere into motion. And mm-hmm. then a number of other geological and gravitational factors complicated even more till you have this vast and largely unpredictable system. But climates would basically depend on exactly how it's rotating because there's, you know, a sphere is only going to rotate pretty much. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a sphere. Everything is uh, is more or less uniform. So mm-hmm. if it's rotating up and down, side to side, it doesn't matter. Its position is still going to look the same right. shape-wise. Whereas a cube, how is that going to rotate? Is it going to be like if I were to lay a dice down on the table and mm-hmm. just rotate it around? Is one of the six sides going to face is up and face down? Or is it going to be on edge as mm-hmm. if I were to take a die and spin it like a top mm-hmm. on the table? Mm-hmm. Now, if I were to, if it were going to rotate like uh, like you spin it on the top of the table, you would have more or less uniform coverage from the sun. But if it were like a die setting on the table, you would have uh, like an entire, the entire top and bottom uh, squares, the entire top and bottom planes would be like our north and south pole. And then everything else would be like, uh, like the equator. So it would be similar then in terms of our weather. Yeah, except weirder (laughs) (laughs) because you would have like, you'd have six, six sides, six sections Four would be equator land, and two would be um, Arctic or Antarctic land. So it would be like you're rolling, if you were to then roll it on the table, you're like, well, uh, I have a two and six chance that I'll roll snow, and a four and six chance that I'll roll the crazy vacation weather. Well, and that's what I was just thinking, too. All of a sudden, your wind patterns are going to be completely different, because what feels like wind coming at us right now <laughs> across our localized area, if, if you've or at an extreme point, I would imagine that the wind would act in a very different way, well, right? Because it's, yeah. it's being forced well, one, upward. One of the uh, the things about the way that uh, that wind works on Earth is you have a, a global system where what, what's happening on one side of the globe affects the other right. because you have you have heat here, cool here. Mm-hmm. It's all one system. But in in this scenario, we have the space mountains, the right. edges of the cube. So each face will have its own atmosphere, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's cut off from, from the other atmospheres. So it would have its own isolated weather. So each side of the die would have its own weather system. would have its own biosquare, too, right? Yeah. Because you would have completely, if you did have some sort of life form in there, it would That's be completely right, yeah. different from one side That's to the other. That's another thing to factor, because the emergence of life on Earth uh, had a huge uh, um, role in the amount of oxygen. So what would that be like for the north and south section? Would you even have life emerge there? If they were lifeless planes Mm -hmm. of extreme cold, you know, what would the atmosphere be like? Maybe they wouldn't have breathable atmosphere. You might have different, vastly or slightly different atmospheres depending on which side of the die you were visiting. 
And that's what, what these Burning Man, the uh, physicists and mathematician, they actually brought that up. They said if the biospheres or biosquares took different routes in terms of these isolated regions, you could have a nitrogen-oxygen atmosphere on some faces like we have and a hydrogen-nitrogen-carbon dioxide atmosphere on others, kind of like our old atmosphere three billion years ago. Right. So. Uh, that's crazy. And then what would cheesesteaks be like in each of the six zones? Vastly different. Yeah. What would, for sure. What would warfare be like between the, the six zones? I mean, there's, I'm surely somebody's written a, a book about politics of a, of a cubicle world. That would be, it would be crazy. Yeah. Like who, who becomes the, the master of that world, right? Yeah. And why? How long does it take you to even discover other faces of the cube? Because you've got to be capable of climbing a space mountain or drilling through it, right? Unless there are naturally occurring tunnels that can be taken. Oh, I like that. I like the yeah. tunnel route. Yeah. But what does that do to your perception too, right? Especially yeah. if you can see the bubble of the atmosphere. Yeah. I mean, the interesting thing is uh, we were talking about this earlier. Even though we live like everyone, I, I doubt we have any flatlanders out there listening to this who think that we live on a flat world and the oceans uh, <laughs> empty off and uh, and drip off into the void or that we live on a disc world. If you are out there, tell us of your yes, time traveling secrets. Yeah, please. Do, do, do tell us if uh, if you you do hold that opinion. But no, we, we all know that the earth is spherical and that we're standing on a plane that wraps around on itself. Mm-hmm. But we still have the experience. We still more or less feel like we're on a flat world because we can't we, we can't see the, the curvature of the earth. Right. We can't poke our head out above the atmosphere or anything like that. So we would still experience a cube world more or less the same. Uh, and, and even as we approach those mountains, they would feel like mountains. So I can easily imagine like a map of a cubical planet made by inhabitants of a cubical planet. Right, right, right. Like, they, well, you know, if they didn't know about the other sides, they would just see the world as, oh, well, we live in the valley. Right, right. And then the right. mountains rise up on either side of us, and uh, beyond the mountains is who knows what. Or, or instead of having a flat Earth uh, theory, perhaps it would be like the triangular Earth you know, yeah. theory, right? Because you can't quite wrap your head around it. Yeah. Hmm. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to get back to all this. Uh, So hang in there. One second. This podcast is brought to you by Intel, the sponsors of tomorrow, and the Discovery Channel. At Intel, we believe curiosity is the spark which drives innovation. Join us at curiosity.com and explore the answers to life's questions. And we're back. So let's get back to gravity and why why the Earth will never be a cube, or it could never have become a cube. Well, I mean, our com- particular Earth. Well, it comes down to a, a creation for starters. Earth. You know, uh, again, like as all these particles uh, come in, there's going to be one to another. That's going to mm-hmm. be you're going to have that center of gravity pulling things in and, yep. and applying and pulling things in more or less uh, uniformly. So a, a cube just wouldn't. Form. I mean, you could conceivably uh, a significantly advanced civilization could build a giant planet sized cube. Mm-hmm. But still, it's going to warp, right? Still, it's going to warp because you're going to have that uniform uh, uh, gravity pulling in. Mm-hmm. It's going to like things are going to conform. That's this is what I thought was interesting, that the weight of the material begins to overwhelm the strength of that material. Mm hmm. And then the planet is pulled into a sphere. So you can't help that the force from rotation actually like squashing it into a sphere-like or spheroid. Yeah. Nature is going to abhor a giant cube. Yeah. Yeah. Because the the sphere is the uniform forces that work. Yeah. And and just an example of this, one of the two moons of Mars, Phobos, it's not large enough to produce enough gravity to become a proper sphere. So you Mm -hmm. look at that and you see that it's kind of, it's sort of like egg-shaped, but then it has this gigantic crater on one side 
Uh, it's called the Stickney Crater, and it kind of looks like a fish that's been punched in the mouth. Yeah. And you just can see, like, oh, this this moon is just never going to quite become like a billiard ball here. Yeah, like, think of this. All right, say you're at the park, right? And say, let's say, I don't know, Lady Gaga shows up, to, and she just starts performing in the center of the park. And everybody's interested in this, so they're going to gather around to see her. Only so many people can fit in any given space. So, and as the crowd gathers around her, which shape do you think they're going to take? Do you think it's going to roughly be spherical or roughly be a big square? It's going to be spherical or at least roughly so. It's yeah. going to because people are going to be drawn in towards the center of attention. Mm-hmm. And uh, in our universe, the center of attention is always gravity. I feel like you have a secret agenda to insert Lady Gaga in as many podcasts as possible. I don't know. It's a good reference. I mean, it's one of those things. If Get Lady Gaga was performing in the park, I, I mean, I'd go see what. It was about. No, no, even though a good I don't example. Really listen to I'm just, music. I'm just clocking it. Yeah, lamb. Okay. Well, we we've shown that she showed up in studies before. There's that Psychology Today paper that made some arguments about decision making uh, and Lady Gaga. So yeah, know. yeah, about motivational forces and how yeah. you should probably align yourself with Lady Gaga rather. I than really the need to do some searches and find out how many uh, peer reviewed papers have been Lady Gaga based. I think we should just do a podcast on Lady Gaga. Yeah, let's just get that out of the way. So anyway, I hope the Gaga <laughs> explanation here work. I mean, because that's basically, you know, why nobody would would stand at the edge of that cube if they could be closer to the action by standing a little more to the left or the right. Mm -hmm. Like, why would they? Why would they form it? They wouldn't because they want to see what's happening. They want to be closer to the action. They're being pulled toward her. Right. Yes. Just as she wants them to be pulled toward her. Yeah. So that's basically why we, we can't have a cubicle planet. But it's, it's fascinating to think about it. And, and we may, may be overlooking some, some key uh, ramifications here. So by all means. For sure we are. Yeah. So yeah. By, all, by all means, if we missed anything or if you have any crazy thoughts about how anything would work on a cubicle planet, uh, you should let us know. Just as some other people have let us know about things via listener mail. And I have a whole stack of them here. Uh, let me go through and read a couple of them. Jackie writes in and says, hey there, listening to the Bees vs. Wasps episode and listening to your comments on how bees would make a bad and non-aggressive mascot. Um, I can go one better when it comes to unthreatening mascots, the pretzels. My high school in Freeport, <laughs> Illinois, is the proud home of the Freeport Pretzels, apparently named after a beer and pretzel making company that used to be located in town. Just thought you might be amused by this. Thanks for the brilliant podcast. I just can only hope that those are the big, soft, puffy pretzels. Instead of the little crunchy ones? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that would make it even better. Well, it's, I, what I love about that, too, is that the, the company's not even there. They're no longer tied it's not like it's a major uh, you sponsor, know, sponsor yeah. or a major economic force in the area. They just remember the pretzel factory that was. And so they're still the fighting pretzels. And that's what they do. I'm sure they remember the pretzels. That's probably like their war yeah. call. And how does that mascot costume work? You'd have to be super twisty to fit I was about to it. say, I'm, yeah. I'm thinking like Cirque du Soleil, retiree. <laughs> we also heard from a listener by the name of Carlo. And Carlo writes in and says, greetings from sunny Dominican Republic. Pretty awesome. I am relatively new to your podcast, just a few months now, and want to congratulate you on your excellent work. Very interesting and diverse subject matter approach creatively. I find myself not listening to my radio while I'm driving to and from work now, as I am usually glued to your show, as well as stuff you should know, I must admit. Regarding this podcast, I believe an interesting example of socially accepted liars and lying are actors. When you think about it, they might just be the most admired professional liars around. Would love to hear your thoughts on this. Well, that, that's, that's interesting because, yeah. you know, we, we talked about lying liars and how lying is in a way like reshaping reality and creating a false reality mm-hmm. in which the uh, participant and the listener is, uh, is a part of. And, yeah, to a certain extent, that's theater. Somebody gets up on yeah. a stage and they just start lying their butt off. 
Well, and I remember when we were talking to Dr. Alan Arkin, professor at George Tech in robotics, and he was talking about his Decepticon, I believe. I yes, don't know yeah. if that's like the real name for the no, robot. No, I, I but think that was the, the term that ended up being thrown on by the media, yeah. uh, you know, science journalists. But, you know, they're, they're trying to figure out how to program lying and deception. And he was talking about how we are constantly self-deceiving and how, and I was thinking about the actors, he was saying, why do we pay good money to go to a theater and see these pixels projected on a screen just so that it, it moves us in some way or brings up some sort of emotion? So, yeah, absolutely. Actors, biggest liars out there. Cool. And we pay them to be. Yeah. We heard from a listener by the name of Jim who wrote in with a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy reference on the whole Don't Eat the Panda uh, mm-hmm. episode about yeah. uh, our relationship between animals and food. He pointed out that there is a quadruped in the books. Basically, it's a cow that's been genetically engineered to want to be eaten and to verbalize this desire. Because therefore, right. if the cow wants to be eaten, we're just giving in to its wishes by eating it, and therefore, it's moral. Which, Which uh, ends the whole problem right yeah. there. Boom. Yeah, I, I love uh, an elegant but ridiculous answer, you know, to, yeah. a, to, a, to a quandary. And certainly that's, that's kind of like just what Hitchhiker's Guide is all about. We also heard from a listener by the name of John. John writes in and says, In your Don't Eat the Panda podcast today, you found it ha- uh, hard to grasp that people could raise monkeys as pets and still eat monkeys as food. It is really not much different than having fish in your fish tank or birds in your birdcage and still eating fish or chicken without giving it much thought. Or maybe for Julie the vegetarian, having a chia pet but still eating chia seeds. How do you, what do you have to say to that? Man, I gave those up a long time ago. It was so hard for me to eat those <laughs> seeds and then look over and see the innocent chia pet sprouting forth. Yeah. I just I, At first, I started turning it to the window so it couldn't see me eating its seeds. And uh, eventually, I just had to take it out of my diet. Yeah. Well, you don't see as many anymore because, sadly, the chia pet has been hunted near to the point of extinction. So. Except for in variety stores uh, yeah. near you. Yeah, and I think Ted Turner has a big reserve of them up north. But <laughs> he does. It's, yeah. But it's only a matter of time until he, he opens that new chain. It's like a chia pet salad store. It's going to be like uh, Super Crackers or something. Super salad? No, super, super salad crackers? is the real one. Super crackers is the one from Party Down. Yes, it's going to be that. Um, so, uh, hey, we also received a lot of other emails, and we seem to be getting more and more of them uh, to the point where I can't really keep up with... Uh, I mean, we try to respond to a lot of these, but we are we are getting a lot of them these days. But bear in mind that, that we definitely read them all, even if we don't uh, get to read them on the air or if we don't, if we don't if have time to our actually feet, we'll, we'll you know, get, there. get back in touch with you. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but they are greatly appreciated. And uh, the other way to uh, interact with us is, of course, to find us on Facebook and Twitter. You can find us on both of those as Blow the Mind, and we update those feeds all the time with all sorts of cool stuff. Uh, so check it out. And really do send us an email because we will read it, and it certainly helps us uh, inform us what the sort of topics that we want to cover for you, and we always love to hear what you guys want to know about next. So send us an email at blowthemind at howstuffworks.com. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join House of Work staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow.